Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Well, here we are smack dab in the middle of Fair Use, Fair Dealing Week, which this year runs from February 24th to February 28th, 2020. Anyone who uses the internet would benefit from knowing what we legally can and cannot do with materials that we come across online. We've all heard of copyright, of course, but not everyone is as familiar with fair use, which is, in fact, a part of the copyright law in the U.S. In Canada and a few other countries, it's called fair dealing, and it can work a little bit differently. So today, we'll just talk about the good old USA. Here is a quick quizette. What is the only property right granted in the U.S. Constitution? Hmm, sounds like a lot of head scratching out there, so let's just get to the answer. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution instructs Congress, quote, to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive rights to their respective writings and discoveries." End quote. The idea the founders had was to set up a balanced social contract between creators of intellectual materials and the users of those materials. The purpose, remember, is to promote progress of science and the useful arts. And the way to do that is to grant a property right to authors and inventors, but only for limited times. The Founders' intent is that after those limited times, all materials will wind up in the public domain so that anyone can use those materials to create more new materials, or in any other way that they wish. These days, there are quite a lot of people who feel that the balance between copyright owners and users of copyrighted material has gotten skewed toward the interest of the copyright holders and away from the rights of users in a very substantial way. That is the subject for a very long discussion, some other day. Today, in our digital era, when everything seems to be available on the internet, it's sometimes difficult to remember that, unless specifically noted otherwise, everything created from 1925 on in the United States including everything on the web, is probably copyrighted. And that is absolutely true of anything created after 1978, even if the creator never even formally applied for a copyright. Many people have found this out to their detriment, from people who downloaded copyrighted music to people who printed an excerpt of something on their blog that they took from somewhere else without permission. And then, got a threat of a lawsuit from a copyright owner. Fair use provides a bit of balance for users. Fair use enables people to use copyrighted material in limited cases without the copyright holder's permission. There's no real checklist of specific situation that determines if something is fair use. Instead, there's a general fair use test that judges use in court to decide if a particular case is a fair use case. The test consists of four factors. The purpose and character of the use. In other words, is it a commercial use, a non-commercial use, an educational use? The nature of the work. Is it fiction, non-fiction, purely factual, purely reference, and so forth? The amount and substance of the work that's used and the effect on the market or value of the work. 
In considering whether some particular use is fair use, people sometimes think that there's a rule, for example, that a quote of 500 words or less is automatically fair use. It's not. Or that 30 seconds or less of music can automatically be used in a podcast or in something on YouTube or some other sharing site. Nope. In fact, there was a famous court case in which just the first bar of Roy Orbison's Pretty Woman was considered to be such a substantial part of the song's identity that using just those few notes without permission constituted copyright infringement. Still, fair use can provide a way for folks to use materials for some purposes, such as broadcast news reports or reviews of materials for the purpose of commentary or short passages in a scholarly work or to satirize the work and so on without getting the copyright owner's permission, which can sometimes be almost impossible to do. That's a very short summary of fair use, and we encourage everyone to go to fairuseweek.org resources, where there's a treasure trove of easy-to-understand information on the subject. If you're someone who creates anything, especially things that use materials others have created, from mashups to parodies to scholarly journal articles, learning about fair use is a really good idea. A fellow named Brandon Butler at the University of Virginia Library attempted to sum up fair use in seven words. Quote, use fairly, not too much, have reasons. End quote. A good summary, but it certainly wouldn't hurt to poke around the fairuseweek.org website for more detailed information. If you're more of a comic book fan, one of the best and most entertaining explanations of fair use is available in a comic book form called Bound by Law from the Center for the Study of the Public Domain at Duke University School of Law. It's a free download at www.law.duke.edu slash CSPD slash comics. These links will be on the web page for today's program if you didn't write them down. That's at www.weru.org. We have copyright in this country. In fact, it's the only property right explicitly mentioned in our Constitution. But it's also important to remember that copyright is part of a balanced social contract and fair use is a key part of that balance. We celebrate and respect the rights of copyright owners, but those rights are not absolute. Fair use enables other creators to fashion some types of transformative new works without eroding the rights of copyright holders. So as we celebrate Fair Use Week 2020 during this week, go forth and create, but do it fairly and we'll do our best to keep up on what that means in our digital age. Fairly, of course, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Mm-hmm.